Hello and welcome to The Hill's Digital Health Podcast. The Hill is the digital health transformation catalyst based at Oxford University Hospitals. We're working to help the NHS make the most of digital innovation. We do this in three ways. We work with innovators to help them develop their digital health ideas and products and make them relevant to the NHS. We work with clinical teams to understand needs, engage them in digital innovation, increase digital skills and adopt innovation. And finally, we collaborate with many partners, bringing together multiple organisations to form a digital health ecosystem. This podcast series focuses on clinical entrepreneurs, our clinical colleagues who have decided to start a business or social enterprise to develop a digital health innovation. My name is Megan Morris-Carter, Director of The Hill, and I'm joined today by George Hadjipavlou, consultant anaesthetist at Oxford University Hospitals and co-founder of Healthcare Dynamics. Welcome, George. It's great to have you. Thank you. Well, nice to be here. Can you tell us a bit more about Healthcare Dynamics and what problems it solves? What sort of products you'd like to offer? Yes, of course. So um, we we so I I sort of came up with this idea with a, a, a colleague of mine called Dr. Richard Siviter, who um, essentially, being consultant anaesthetists, we we work within the NHS delivering operations and understanding kind of get as many patients operated in a particular day. And we, we see on a day by day basis, you know, how things work. And we thought that there was potentially a, a software solution that we could create to help with the planning of how operations occur during the day and then how those operations are then delivered on the day. And essentially that's what the software is where we take historical um, data, statistical data about operations and use that information to hopefully deliver the most optimized list on the day. And we, we thought it was a great idea, firstly, because, we, you know, working within the NHS for however many years, you know, at least, I think now for at least 10 years now in my regard, um, I have not been aware of any solution that exists like that. And when I speak to the people involved in those in preparing those processes, that there isn't any solution for that. And, and that's not something that I'm aware of is restricted to any particular hospital. This is a just a, a big gap in, in that sort of planning. There are there are companies out there trying to offer solutions, but not one that we're aware offers sort of live on the ground um, management in the way that we think is the best way of delivering it. And what do you think as a as an anaesthetist would be the benefit of of the solution? What what how is it going to change your life on the front line? So um, essentially, I think it comes in in two major forms. So the first is that by using historical operating data, we know that when a list is planned, it is planned for optimal time efficiency but also optimal patient efficiency. And by that, I mean that we use as much operating time as we can in the allotted day, but also we do what we can to help treat as many patients as we can in in a day. The ways in which planning has currently been run is based on average operating times. And, you know, you speak to anybody on the ground and they will say, well, one operation takes as different length of time to any other. So it doesn't take into account variability in time and as a result there's a huge unknown element that doesn't take accounted for so what we're hoping with is by measuring this unknown variability in operating time that we'll be able to 
prepare lists more robustly and more efficiently with this data, but also on the actual day that we're delivering it, we can put in operating times, for example, the starting and finishing time, and predict live on the day whether we'll be finishing on time or if we finished early, whether we can squeeze in an extra case from a different list that might not be finishing on time. And so the, from that, we get the second benefit, which is the better deliverability of operating time on the ground live to avoid things like on-the-day patient cancellations. Yeah, I, I can see that a lot of patients are, are really going to like this piece of software because you know, I'm sure lots of people have experienced you know, having their operation cancelled or needing to move to a different day or prepping for the operation and then it not being able to go ahead. Well, well, precisely. And, you know, the, ma- the major drive for this is to, you know, aim to treat people in a timely fashion. And as a result of COVID pandemic response, you know, waiting lists are longer now. So, you know, every tool we can have to help get people to where they need to be for their operation as safely as possible and operated in a timely manner um, are all important. So obviously clinical work is is pretty demanding. I know you've got a a long list, George. How did you find the time to develop this? So um, I I think I'm very lucky in that, first of all, I have a very supportive family, which because a lot of this was developed in in my own time, you know, in, in the hours after the kids have been in bed. Um, uh, uh, where I've kind of been working on this as, you know, as a, as a, initially as a hobby, so to speak, as, as an idea, as I was toying with it. But I also have very supportive colleagues who listen to ideas, who are willing to embrace ideas. And, you know, that's something that I've noticed, particularly with Oxford as an institution, is that it's always open to listening to new ideas and explore them. And I'm, and, you know, very grateful for that. Um, but also the fact that had it not been for the hill, I wouldn't have known how to start this idea, moving it from concept to actually something to engage and negotiate in a way how I would develop it within the hospital. Yeah. So what, so what made you decide to create a business and, and aim to spin out the technology rather than just doing it as a hobby? Um, I think because because I had... Richard and I had an idea. The only way in which we felt it was realistically going to be deliverable was if we went down that route. And the, the, we had enough faith in our idea and our software that we thought it could help people beyond what was just limited to Oxford, essentially, and that it could help other hospitals. And, and, and in a way, what we wanted to do was create a business that would help benefit Oxford and the Hill in return for the investment that they've given to us, but also that it, it made sense to, to, to run it as a business because with business, you get legitimacy, you get um, investors, you get faith, because at some point, it can't all be done in free time. I don't want to give up my clinical care. I love my clinical care. I love looking after my patients. And so by setting it up as a business, it, it allowed investment to come in to allow me to continue doing what I love, which is looking after patients, but also allowed the, the idea to develop through the work and contribution of others. I, I think that's exactly how I've come to see startups, actually. I think 
many years ago, I used to be a bit uncomfortable about the idea of making money when you just had a, a good idea and you actually just wanted to do it for helping people and for a purpose rather than necessarily for making lots of money. And then I realized that actually I see startups as sort of a vehicle for bringing in the right sort of investment and the right resources to make these things actually come to fruition scale impact the most number of people and that it's a very legitimate way to do that and 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 i completely agree um you know i i remember being taught in medical school that one of the biggest healthcare impacts that have so one of the biggest healthcare changes that has impacted um people across the whole of the united kingdom if not the world are not necessarily new medical research technologies or a drug, but it's things that change how healthcare is delivered. And, and an example is, um, you know, delivering clear water. You know, clear, clear, clean water saves thousands of lives. And, you know, so when, when I became a consultant, I thought to myself, what's the best way I can help people other than on a day-by-day basis? And it is by helping develop the healthcare system within which they work. And if I can create something that can help a thousand people at a time, then that's the motivating goal behind this. You know, I, I, I and that's essentially it. And I do not have the time to, to do it all by myself. Um, and so you bring in friends and, you know, Richard Silver is a good friend and, he, and, and he's been with me from the start and helping develop this idea and, you know, you need the innovation and the money and the technology and the people who know how to do it. You know, I'm, I'm trained to be a clinician. I'm not trained to be a businessman or I'm not trained in, you know, software development or how to bring in new technologies into the NHS and how to disseminate technologies into the NHS. And, and so you need, in a way, the business to help act as the vehicle to bring in the, com- the, the people to deliver that. You mentioned a number of times sort of, you know, that you've been involved in the Hill and obviously you came to our accelerator program last year. Yes. Uh, How how did you find that and and what sort of support did you value most from that experience? So from a personal point of view, I would say that I am quite business naive. I've never ran my own company. I've never owned my own company and I wouldn't know where to start is the honest answer. And then when I read about it, you know, I was terrified. And, and so I was aware that the Hill existed from speaking to colleagues who apply for research funds and they can get some research via, funds via the Hill. And so when I looked at it just through chance, you know, it, the, the accelerator course was available. And I said, well, there's no harm in sending an email. Let's see what comes from it. And, you know, we, we sent the email inquiring with to yourself. And then we had our first meeting. And, you know, that was the start of it. The, the Hill course itself was a huge eye-opener. I had no idea that the world of business and developing technology and innovation could be so complex. And so for me, it was a huge learning experience. And it was brilliant having um, other people who have been through the process that we're going through at the moment, because then you see that it is possible. You know, there is no glass ceiling, if I'm allowed to use that expression, um, that that, you know, if you've got the, um, if you've got an idea and you learn from other people's mistakes and you're willing to persist and you're willing to talk to people. And I think that's the biggest thing is that you're willing to talk to people, um, that, that you can make progress. And, and that's fantastic because there are things that sound terrifying, like 
you know, how to set up financial accounts, how to, what to do with intellectual property, um, the legality of owning a business and, um, you know, how that integrates with other companies and intercompany contracts and, you know, all of, and then people start talking about lawyers. I mean, lawyers, you know, that, that's a whole different scope of things that, you know, you, you could argue would terrify doctors. Um, but, but, you know, they, you know, I don't, I, I, I've, I've been trained to be a clinician and none of those other things. And, and so, and so it was really, the course was brilliant in helping educate me into what I needed to know in order to make progress. I think it's very interesting um, having people who are just a few steps ahead of where you are to explain that sort of stuff to you and, and to, as you say, show that it's possible. And I'm sure that now, George, you're doing the same thing for some of your colleagues who've got an idea and are wondering how to get to the space that you've got to in terms of actually developing something. Oh, absolutely. I think I'm, I was always encouraging of ideas beforehand. I'm even more so now. And now I know who I can send them to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good to know. I'm wondering about also about your clinical practice. You know, so ha- have there been skills and attitudes that you've developed um, as an entrepreneur, if you like, that you've now brought to your clinical practice? And do you think about that in a different way? I think, in a way, what it's done is it's made me that the process of doing this has made me more aware that there are many facets to delivering patient care other than what you do on the face-to-face interface with a patient. Most people, I would think, would consider that sort of the the ground floor level of care delivery, but it's opened my eyes to the complexity of the management and how important all of those processes that are going into place to make sure that healthcare continues to be delivered and, you know, without that stream there, very little would happen. And as a consequence, the impact that has had on my clinical practice, I think it has allowed me to be more positively engaging with management and helping solve solutions and coming up with ideas with them. So whilst it might not have immediately changed what I do on a day-to-day basis with an individual patient, it is certainly shaped and modified what I would say would be my career and thought processes of how I'm going to manage, you know, the next five to 10 years in that, I, you know, if, if, if I can help shape the, develop, the delivery of healthcare, then I can help many more people, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense, absolutely. And I, I think, yeah, coming into the NHS, because obviously I've worked in lots of different industries, um, and only recently been fortunate enough to, to work for the NHS, which has always been a, a bit of a passion of mine. Uh, but only in being inside the institution can I think you really appreciate exactly how much complexity there is to healthcare delivery, exactly how much volume of healthcare delivery has to be achieved with relatively few resources, and therefore how much scope there is for optimization and scope there is for improvement of the way you do that, as well as the clinical practice itself and the actual treatment to the patient? Yes, absolutely. And I'm very proud of the NHS. I'm very proud to work within it. And I think it does a fantastic job of what it does do and what it offers the population. And, you know, in every system, there will be areas that can be improved and 
so far in my career, uh, I have only received positive engagement with how to move forward with those ideas. So what, what do you think are the challenges that are faced by staff members and NHS institutions who are trying to do innovation? What, what makes it hard? I think the first thing is time pressure. You know, we, we, we spend ages training on how to deliver care to an individual and we spend every second of every day doing that. So, you know, at the end of that, you're exhausted and, and you don't necessarily have um, any energy left to, to then push on with an idea or, you know, you, you still, you know, I'm, I'm a father of two and I need to spend time with them. <laughs> and, and, you know, so, so having a very understanding family has allowed me to progress some of these ideas where, you know, and, you know, I can only speak volumes of, of how lucky I am to have my wife and how supportive she is. And, and, and I'm very lucky to have my two boys. Um, the, the other obstacle I would say, other than limitation of time, is um, not really knowing who to turn to. So, so and, and that's not necessarily, um, you know, that there isn't anyone to turn to, but people don't talk necessarily about how an innovation is created. We're not trained about innovation. We don't, you know, we don't know the processes of how to develop a product because that's not in any of our scope of practice. And, and so, you know, one might have an idea of how to do it and then you start reading about it. And then what you see is this mountain of knowledge that you don't have or these mountain of obstacles and things like this that you won't be aware of. And, and in a way, you know, breaking down those barriers facilitates things. And for me, it was the that the hill was the big. That was the was the gate that opened for us. Because what, what, what we saw at the beginning was just an absolute mountain of complexities and obstacles that we had very little knowledge about. And the Hill gave us that little bit of encouragement to say, you know, come out of your box. It is OK. This is a world that is worth exploring. You know, this is a relatively protected environment. You don't have to set up a company straight away. You see how you go. And then it, it almost felt a little bit of risk free to begin with and then as and as we kind of came out of our shells as we realized that the world of innovation isn't as scary as it seems to be we then went yep you know what we 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 have to take this leap of faith we're going to set up the company and we're going to actually start talking proper negotiations with people because we believe in our product that it will do what it will do and um and i be available to all places throughout the NHS and I consider myself very lucky to be in Oxford and have access to the hill to allow that to happen. So what, what's your um, your ambition then George where would you like healthcare dynamics to be in sort of five years time what would you like to be doing with it? In an ideal world I would like it to have developed the software I would like the software to be running on the ground and I would like us to be distributing the software throughout the NHS to be helping the delivery of surgical care for all patients throughout the NHS. Um, and I would see myself still being a doctor delivering care for patients on the ground. That, that's, you know, uh, that, that will, that is my love. I think um, that's that's true of many clinical colleagues that, you know, you don't really want to give up your clinical work in order to help your patients further. And so marrying that clinical expertise and the knowledge of what happens on the ground 
with people who have the business expertise and are, are ha- happy to help structure that and, and move it forward is, I think. Yeah, oh, completely. And, and I accept that healthcare dynamics as it grows will be a company that, you know, I, I may not be a, a director of. And, 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 you know, in a, and as a vision of what I wanted to achieve, I'm happy with that, you know, because my main goal in terms of outcomes from all of this is to create something that helps people. And that, and that's what drives me and drives the pretty much everyone I'm aware of that works in the NHS. I think that's absolutely fair. Um, you know, the, the, the passion and commitment to patients that I see across the NHS is, is fantastic, isn't it? And, and I think it's, it's the real heart of the organisation and the thing that we definitely must not lose in, in, in sight of. Yes. So, George, it's been absolutely great to, to talk to you. Um, I wonder if we could just close with a few of your thoughts for your other colleagues who might be thinking about setting up idea, a, a, a business or pushing forward an improvement project or thinking about an innovation idea or perhaps bringing in a technology that they know from, from elsewhere. And um, obviously, there are lots of different ways of improving the service. But what would be your advice to them if they're thinking about pursuing an idea? What what would be their first steps to kind of get somewhere on the journey that you've taken so far? So my first bit of advice would be don't be afraid. Explore it, you know, explore it as far as you can without necessarily costing you any money, talk to people. Don't ever be afraid to talk to people, no matter where they are in the organization. You know, they, they, they say talk is cheap, but what talking to other people allows you to do is to develop relationships with them, for them to help understand what you're trying to achieve and what, how it fits with their ideas and what their limitations are. And, you know, unless you explore the world of innovation as it is, you don't realize what is and is not possible. It, it may be that the idea that you have isn't possible. And that's no bad thing um, necessarily. But what you take away from that is what you learn about how you could change your innovation to allow it to work. So, you know, don't be afraid of mis- making mistakes and don't be afraid of failure. You know, you, um, you, know you, you learn from those to allow yourself to grow and allow your ideas to grow, essentially. And it, speak to speak to your colleagues, speak to your managers, your bosses, um, speak to the finance department if you're not sure. And somehow or another, you will hopefully eventually find the people to talk to. And, you know, I, I would recommend and I do recommend everybody who has ideas and I have recommended to colleagues when they have ideas to approach people at the Hill because, you know, they gave us the start that we needed and um, and we're very grateful for that. I just wish there were more places like the Hill or the Hill was available to the whole of the NHS. Well, we can't, can't but hope, George. We're, we're, we're attempting at least to, to offer services to as many people as, as we can. Um, and thank you ever so much for your kind comments about us. Um, it, it's very much appreciated. And we're just very grateful that we get the opportunity to work with some fantastic colleagues who have such amazing ideas. I think that's a, a great place to finish this this podcast. And George has, has left us with a couple of really good messages there. I think, you know, don't be afraid of failure. Just try and see where, where you get to. And um, because even failure will teach you things. And also talk to people and share your idea because many people keep their ideas to themselves. 
because they think that, you know, that someone might steal the idea or that um, there might be an IP issue. In reality, um, it's much, much better to co-create and co-develop these things and to share them with as many people as possible to get that sort of feedback so that you can make it into the best possible idea that you, that you might be able to, to pursue. You've been listening to the Hills podcast, looking particularly at clinical entrepreneurs. And we were joined today by George Hadipaglu, who's a consultant anaesthetist at Oxford University Hospital. And he was also the co-founder of Healthcare Dynamics, a company that supports theatre efficiency. 